we're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. to try to feel as good as I feel right now. And it's an all, all natural, it's not natural, it's supernatural. It's a supernatural high of God's Holy Spirit. I feel it and I'm excited about it and I'm not ashamed of it. Anybody else feel that in this place tonight? I feel it. I'm excited about it. And God's not done. Look at somebody say, God's not done. God's not done. He's still working. He's gonna work in us tonight. Welcome back everyone to Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. My name is Chris Fluitt. I, I greet all of you, all you beautiful people in the room, much too pretty for me. All of y'all are just much prettier than I am. I love each and every one of you. And I'm sure everybody joining us online is just as pretty. We love you guys too. Thank you for being with us. We are in the ninth week. Everyone said ninth. The ninth week of our sermon series. And it is called Vibe Check. Everybody say Vibe Check. What is a vibe? I thought of making a bad joke about the Fibonacci sequence and accidentally calling it the Fibonacci sequence, but I thought that surely Vicky would not approve of such things, so I, I took that out of my sermon. Instead, we'll jump right into it. Here is the definition of vibe. A person's emotional state, that's on the inside, but it's felt by others on the outside. The tangible atmosphere created by the disposition of our being. The world needs good vibes. People are looking for those good vibes, as I was talking about earlier. Many people are even looking for good vibes only. You'll see that sign around. Their chances are you might have that in the office where you work, or you might have a t-shirt that says such a thing, good vibes only. In this series, we've taught you what produces those good vibes what produces the worst vibes and what produces the best vibes. Anybody remember, the worst vibes come from the, from the flesh. Say it a little louder. The worst vibes come from the flesh and the best vibes come from the spirit. You want those really good vibes? You need to get in the spirit and you need to say no to the things of the flesh. That's exactly what scripture tells us to do in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 tells us what vibes the Spirit produces. We'll look again at it, verse 22, Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Today we are talking about the vibe of gentleness. Everyone say gentleness. Gentleness. What is gentleness? Do we understand this word, the word gentle? Do we recognize gentleness when it shows up in our world, right? In front of us, 
Maybe we've been exposed to gentleness, but we aren't recognizing it. You should recognize it because it is a vibe of the Spirit. It is a fruit of the Spirit, and you should recognize the Spirit producing something in someone else. Can I get an amen on that? That should make a lot of sense to us, Spirit-filled people. Some may mistakenly think gentleness is simply the absence of warlike behavior. You know, warlike behavior. We're thinking Conan the Barbarian. Conan the Barbarian didn't talk out his feelings. He grabbed a sword. Y'all know about Conan the Barbarian. If not, that is our next sermon series. I will just move Christmas right along. Time for a Conan the Barbarian series. No, no, Conan the Barbarian. He didn't talk about his feelings. No, he just lopped people's heads right off. Just right off. All right. I mean, gosh, he fought Wilt Chamberlain in the second movie, I believe. Right? Wilt the Steel Chamberlain. I mean, he was serious. All right. But, but some people think that gentleness is just not being a strong warlike person, okay? And, and then some people might even think that gentleness is more like a pacifist. What's a pacifist? A pacifist is someone who is opposed to violence, all, all forms of violence. And pacifism will refuse to join a physical fight. And some may view that as gentleness. I would tell you that that is not true, that you can be gentle and still get in the fight. That gentleness, you can be gentleness and have gentleness in your heart by the Spirit, but still not walk away from a fight to protect someone else, to defend someone else. Others may attribute gentleness to a feminine quality. I may have lost the majority of the male audience because they think gentleness is a female thing. It's not a female thing. It's a spirit thing. It is the fruit of the Spirit. This is not a personality trait. This is not like the difference between women and men. No, this is the Spirit working in your life will bring out gentleness. Some may view gentleness as weakness rather than strength. Gentleness does not mean weak. Whatever gentleness is, it is produced by God's Spirit, and God thinks you need it. That's the point of these fruit of the Spirit. God thinks you need every single one of them. You don't pick and choose which ones you want. God wants you to have every single one of them. Lord, help us to understand gentleness. And Lord, let your Spirit produce gentleness within us. Gentleness is the attitude of heart. This is our working definition tonight. The attitude of the heart that tempers our strengths, opens our spirits to be teachable, and makes us gracious. This last part's really important. Even when we're right. The opposite of gentleness is arrogance, selfish ambition, and stubbornness. The vibe of gentleness will temper your attitude. Did you ever need a force to kind of filter your words and your thoughts and your actions? Anybody need that? You are not alone. The, you know, what, what is supposed to do that is God's spirit. That's who is supposed to do that in your life. We aren't good enough to do that on. We need God's spirit to filter out some of those things and replace it with love. Filter out some of those things, replace it with joy and peace. And in this case tonight, gentleness. 
Can we be honest and just admit that we need an attitude adjustment sometimes? We need somebody to come in and say, nope, we've had enough of you, Mr. Fluid. Let's let the spirit talk right now. The vibe of gentleness will remind others of God. Having a humble, gentleness is often translated as humble. It's also often translated as meek, meekness. Man, I could have separate sermons on those two words. Having a humble, gentle, meek attitude will remind others of Jesus Christ. Christians, we do not need an I told you so attitude. That attitude comes from where? The flesh. Ding, ding, ding. You all win tonight. That's absolutely right. That kind of attitude, that I told you so attitude is from the flesh. And it is not gentle. It is not humble. It is not meek. That comes from the flesh. Arrogance. Stubbornness. And selfish pride. Can I tell you, those aren't personality traits either. They are vibes of the flesh. If you have a problem with arrogance, if you have a problem with stubbornness, if you have a problem with selfish pride, I want to tell you, you weren't just created that way. Stop using excuses like, well, that's just kind of how I am. Sorry, I'm really driven. You know, on those, on those personality tests, I'm the D. I'm, I'm just all the way. I'm, the D is, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a type A personality, and I just, I'm very assertive. You can be that without being a jerk face. I wanted an amen on that. I'm going to say it again. Y'all miss your moment. You can be a driven, assertive person and still be a nice person. All right. Y'all were so busy. Y'all were too busy thinking, well, I know who needed to hear that instead of clapping. Because y'all know. Some of y'all were like, man, is there any way I can share this to my boss right now? He's, I get it. I wish that guy was here right now. He would hear this thing, this wonderful sermon. Now it's a good sermon. These attitudes that are negative right here, that are centered in me, they come from the flesh. Please turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3. I'm going to say a few things, but I want you to go ahead and get your Bibles turned to James chapter 3. And while you're turning, I want to tell you what gentleness will say. There is a phone going off somewhere. I want to make sure someone knows that it's going off. All right. Excellent. It stopped. As soon as I say that, it stopped. I shouldn't have mentioned it. I apologize. All right. I tried to gently say it. All right. Before we turn to James 3, I'm glad y'all are getting there. I, I want us to have this attitude tonight. I don't have to be first. I don't have to be right. I just want to honor the Lord. That is, I believe, what the vibe of gentleness says. I don't have to be first. I don't have to be right. I just want to honor the Lord. Jesus taught us not to worry about who was seated in the first position. Anybody know that? In Luke 14.10, Jesus teaches us to choose the humble seat in a parable. He says, don't choose that first seat. Someone might get you out of that seat and make you go sit back in those humble seats. Instead, choose the humble seat first and watch you be exalted to the more prominent seats. That's what Jesus taught us in in, in Luke 14.10. 
That is a lesson we all need to hear. And in Matthew 20:16, Jesus informs us that the first shall be last. And the last shall be first. Let's not focus on being first. Let's put Jesus first. And let's put others in first by honoring them. All right, let's do that. I think that was exactly what Jesus was talking about. Scripture teaches us that none of us are right. You're focused on being right. All of our arguments are like, I'm going to show them that I'm right. And in our heads, we're like, my goodness, I've got such a good point here. They're going to see my brilliant point, and they are going to admit that I am right. How is any of that working for anybody? Is that working? Is that scheme working for anybody? Or is it just ticked off everybody? <laughs> is Y'all with me? No, no, that's an awful thing. That has never worked out for me, let me tell you. Scripture teaches us that none of us are right. So stop trying to be the one that's right. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, what does that tell us? None of us are in the right. None of us. Most arguments are a fight to be right and the other person wrong. And does anyone win a prize for being right? Your prize is only to maybe lose a friendship. We need to choose the gentle way, especially in arguments, and all the more even when we are right. Every once in a while, I'm actually right. No one believed that. It's actually true sometimes. But gentleness is really how to have the right motivation and the right heart towards other people. You can be right in the facts and wrong in your motivation. And let me tell you, that's not going to get you anywhere with God. Now we're turning to James. We're going to be looking at James 3 and verse 13, beginning at verse 13. It says this, who is wise and understanding among you? Anybody in here? Wise and understanding? Who is it? It goes on. It says, let them show it by their good life. By deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Now, that's some good stuff right there. Could it be that we're correct about faith? That we're correct about Jesus? That we're correct about life? We might even be correct politically, whatever argument you want to go for today. But who we are, who we are as a person is screaming so loudly that no one can hear our rightness. No one can hear the profession of faith because who we are is screaming so loud. What does that look like? It would look something like this. I would say that God loves you, and if you put your faith in Jesus, your life will be much better. But my life is not full of love, and it's not full of faith, and so that screams, I don't know what I'm talking about. No one can hear some of us Christians say John 3.16 because of our attitude at a Starbucks. Because of our attitude to a waiter. Because of our attitude at the light. Or attitude at the gym. Or at the work. Or at the school. Or even in the church. Showing a good life by deeds done in humility. That's how God tells us to show our wisdom and our understanding. 
I would tell you that good, a good life by deeds done in humility, that kind of uh, idea huh, is a much better evangelistic approach than hitting someone over the head with the Bible. Who agrees with that? I would, I would agree with that. Lord, help us to do that. Help us not to go, well, I notice you're doing this thing. Well, this chapter and this verse says, don't do that. Ah, and just hit them. Walk around and you just, you're, you're, you're actually walking down the grocery aisle and you walk down the seafood aisle and uh, anyone that touches crawfish, you're like, ah, I got a scripture for you. Bam, like, or something weird stuff like that. No, that's not it. Showing a life. A good life with deeds and humility. That, that's how you show it. That's how you do it. Humility in James chapter 3 verse 13 is the same root word translated as gentleness. That word there is gentleness. It's that same word for humble. It's that same word for meek. It's that same word. It's that same word that shows up in Galatians chapter 5, the list of the fruit of the Spirit. There is a humility, a gentleness that comes from wisdom. And we need that wisdom. Who needs wisdom? Any time of day, any time, anywhere is a good time to pray. God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. Show me wisdom. Help me to do it. Verse 14, James chapter 3. But, uh-oh, it's going to get rough. Anytime you have a really good verse and it's followed by but, buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> Let's see what happens. But if you harbor Bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. I want to tell you, I have seen professing Christians boast about their bitterness rather than repent. So have you. You know what that looks like, right? They did this to me. And that's not all. They did this to me. And the other day, they did that to me. And did you see the way they looked at me? I've seen it. I've heard those conversations. You know what that is? That is harboring bitterness in your heart rather than repenting and letting it be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. My gosh, got quiet in here, Cleta. That's the truth right there. We need to live in that. And not, not just in the church house. In your house, in your work, in your connect groups, wherever you are, that we need to live that out. I've also witnessed the boasting of selfish ambition to the extent that it denies the truth of God. I have heard the revelries of great self-worth because they can preach better. That's right, I've heard ministers do it. Because they can sing better. That's right, I've, I've seen worship leaders do it. Or have a more successful business, drive a better car, have more money in the bank, or even their children. I have more religious children than my children. And it goes beyond being proud and happy and thankful to God for your children. No, it becomes like, huh, I notice my kids are serving God, and what about theirs? I've heard that nastiness. My goodness. All the while, when you take that tact, all the while, they have forgotten the truth that they could have never earned these gifts of grace. 
if your kids are serving the Lord, I would tell you that has more to do with the Lord than you. My gosh, I mean that with all my heart. Gosh. Sometimes I say a line like that, and I want you to really know how I, I believe that. I believe that so much. If your kids are serving the Lord, ain't nobody should be praised but the Lord for that. Or about how about your job and how about your car and your finances? How about your giftings? If you take that as selfish ambition and, and revel in that, instead of giving glory to God, you've forgotten that it's grace and you're operating by your own strengths and wisdom. And one day that is going to trip you up. Instead of plunging this bitter, prideful envy into the blood of Jesus, they celebrated. That bitterness I talked to you about, that harbored bitterness, instead of putting that again in the blood of Jesus to never be seen again, no, they hold it out. They bring it out. In fact, you can't, there are certain people you can't bring up a person in front of them. Just random name, Rick. Don't bring up Rick in front of Jeff. You know how Jeff gets about Rick. It's like, Hey, Jeff, the other day I, I ran into Rick. He's like, oh, Rick, him and his guitar. <laughs> right? Now, Jeff and Rick aren't that way. But you know people that are that way. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. You got to take that bitter in your heart and plunge it beneath the blood of Jesus Christ and leave it there. Unforgiveness, hatred, racism, sexism, all of your prejudices, take them, put them beneath the blood of Jesus. I don't care what they did. I don't care what they said. I don't care. Put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Do not boast about bitter envy and selfish ambition, because you know what that does? That denies the truth, that God's the one who gave it. Oh, one thing that's totally you should replicate in Marshall Blessing is that whenever you say something good about something he's done, whenever you pay him a compliment, he will say those words, somebody help me, he will say, A-G-2-G, and A-G-2-G means all Glory to God. You see, he takes that compliment. He does receive it. And he's so thankful that you notice the good things happening in his life. But then he takes them and he doesn't deny the truth. He, he holds up the real truth. It's the Lord that's doing this in my life. Thank you, Lord, for that. But it's about to get a little rougher. Look out. Somebody say, look out. Look out. Fluid's got that look in his eye. It's about to get rough. Here it is. It's not me that's about to get rough. It's actually James. Just blame him. Do we realize how evil this subject is tonight? Do we realize how evil envy is and selfish ambition are? Or do we like regulate that as like, that's maybe like a two on the sin scale? No, stealing. Oh, that's an eight. Whoa. Right? Or whatever makes us really mad. But our little envy problem... Our little ambition problem, our little greed problem, that's a little lower, right? Verse 15 says this. Such wisdom. And in the NIV, 
in our translation, it puts little quotes on there. It's like air quotes. You know what air quotes are? Now, now Greeks didn't use air quotes, but Americans do. Right? And I want you to say wisdom. I want to read it like that, all right? Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. What wisdom are we talking about? That bitterness, harboring it. That selfish ambition that denies the truth. That's the wisdom that James is talking about. Uh, somebody say earthly. Somebody say unspiritual. Somebody say demonic wisdom. James is not speaking about the gentle, humble wisdom that we started off in verse 13. He uses the word wisdom. But that is not the wisdom he's talking about in verse 15. James is talking about a wisdom that has not come down from heaven, but an earthly, unspiritual, and demonic wisdom. Can I tell you real quick, not all wisdom is the same. Not all wisdom is the same. Some wisdoms have varying degrees of success and usefulness. You can get some strange college degrees that may be very expensive, but, but have very strange, if not very useful, wisdoms. I, I looked this week, I found some. Auctioneering. You could get a bachelor's degree in auctioneering. Sold. Auctioneering. That's a weird, that's a weird degree there. How about this one? Bagpiping. It's just a bunch of cats yelling all at once. I think they're in the bag. You just squeeze that bag. Gosh. Gosh. Oh, you know how you get bagpipes to play in tune? You don't. You just burn it. You just burn everything to the ground. Don't leave. No, no, no. We PA really loves pep. How about this one? Turf grass science. That's a, that's a degree. Now, that's some wisdom, but that's not all wisdom is as useful. These are people that mainly work around golf courses. And they're just like looking at the turf going, oh, that's really nice. That's good. Think about Bill Murray's character from Caddyshack. He was a turf grass science scientist. Uh, <laughs> the Beatles. That, that's actually a, a college degree. A specialty in music history with the Beatles. It's the, that's your specialty. Now, I love, that's maybe, I'll agree with you. That's probably a cool degree. That's probably pretty cool. I imagine that class would be, those classes would be a lot of fun. But how useful is that degree? I don't know if you're ever going to pay off those college loans, all right? I just, I don't know. How about this one? There's a degree called the bowling industry. If you want to learn how to run and operate bowling alleys, they have degree plans for that. How about this one? Canadian studies. I got an A plus. Canadian studies. I'm just going to stare at Vicky until she approves of that joke. Okay, we have to move on. <laughs> Surf studies. Whoa, dude, surf studies. You can learn about 
And then this one kind of hurts, but I put it in jazz studies. It was actually my degree. All right, moving on. <laughs> you too can pass for a church. Just go study jazz at UNT. All right. How about this one? Pop culture studies. Like, do you really need school for that? You just go rent some VHS tapes and watch them. Some wisdoms may be more useful than others. Do you understand where we're coming here? Some, some wisdoms actually don't come from heaven. And if a wisdom comes from heaven, can I tell you, it works. And it works no matter what century you're in. It works no matter what situation you're in. I, when I have heard, I have received words from God where God has spoken to me. And I want to tell you, the word that I received from God is just as powerful and useful and wise today as it was when I received it. Sometimes I have to remember some of the things I've already learned because everything I've learned sometimes is all that I've needed to, to live in this present day, what, what God, God's wisdom has shown me. No, there is no comparison to God's wisdom. But there are other kinds of wisdoms, including demonic wisdoms. Demonic wisdom. We don't like demonic stuff, right? But I would just be real with you. We might be okay with demonic wisdom. Do we realize how evil envy and selfish ambition are? Well, I would tell you that they are demonic wisdoms. That is the enemy whispering into your ears. And uh, James 3.16 just goes a little further. This is as heavy as we're going to go tonight, okay? It's about to lighten up a little bit. But before we <laughs> ascend, we have to descend to this verse. Verse 16, look at that. For where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you find disorder and every evil practice. Every evil. Do you think James meant this? He meant it. He meant it. Everything evil is found in the recipe that includes envy and selfish ambition. King James Version translates selfish ambition as strife. So you know those people that just kind of just cause problems? Envy and problem causing. Right there. Where you have those two things. You have chaos. You have disorder. And you have everything bad. Everything that is evil is present when you have those two things there. I, 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 if I had time, I'd take you back to Genesis. Where Eve speaks to a snake. I would tell you that envy... And selfish ambition were present there. And everything evil has flown, has, has flowed from that very chapter. If you don't want evil in your life, you better get rid of envy. If you don't want evil in your life, you better get rid of selfish ambition from your life. You better get gentleness in your Gentleness is the recipe for a wisdom that comes from heaven. Gentleness is a recipe for reconciliation and restoration instead of harboring bitterness. Real quick, I got to tell you. There was a time in my life where I really could have harbored 
bitterness. In fact, there is an issue. There is a thing that happened in my life that was so heavy and it was so hectic. It almost killed me in ministry at the age of 20 years old. 22 years ago. Not only that, it is a situation that I've constantly had to come back to and release that bitter envy. I had to release those, those feelings and pray over them over and over again. And I want to tell you one of the greatest victories is when you can let those things go and you can walk in and see that person that you used to have that bitterness harbored for. And you can see them and you can, without any fraudulent emotional fakeness, walk up to them and lovingly speak to them. That is such a victory. That is a God supernatural victory. I've experienced it. I would want every one of you to experience such a thing. Reconciliation and restoration. They're found in gentleness. How about this one? Grace and mercy towards others. How about evangelism and discipleship making? It's found in gentleness. Glorifying God. Because people will see your works and they will then glorify God. That's in, that's in this recipe. How about friendship? You have trouble with friendship? You need to get some gentleness in your life. And then a Christ-like life. A life that just looks like Christ. That's gentleness. That's gentleness. Gentleness, one more time, remind you, it's the attitude of heart that tempers our strengths, opens our spirits to be teachable and makes us gracious even when we're right. The opposite of gentleness is arrogance, selfish ambition, and stubbornness. If you are overbearing in your strengths, if you're a type A personality, that can be a thing, right? You're type A. You're just like, no, we're going to go do this. We don't need anyone's thoughts on the idea. We're going to go do it. It's a little overbearing in your strengths there. If you're overbearing in your strengths, you know what you need? Gentleness. If you think you know better than everyone in the room, you need to get a little gentleness that says, maybe the people around me are valuable enough to listen to them. That's gentleness. If you're prideful, if you're pridefully close to learning from others, you need gentleness. You're much too proud. If you're unbearable when you are correct and others are not, you need gentleness. I want to tell you today that gentleness opens the door to the wisdom of heaven. You want the wisdom of heaven? Open the door with gentleness. But arrogance closes the door to the wisdom of heaven. Next, I'll tell you this. Flip it around. Arrogance opens the door to the flesh. Arrogance will open the door to all those works of the flesh. But gentleness closes the door to the flesh. Gentleness will do that. The character in the Bible who comes to mind as lacking gentleness is Cain. That's who came up to my mind this week when I was studying. Cain is a great example of someone who lacked gentleness. Cain, whose name means possession did not possess gentleness. He did not possess humility. He did not possess meekness. In his arrogance, we know the story hopefully, 
he, he brought an offering to God that he himself preferred, but that God did not prefer. But in his arrogance, he thought, well, I like this. That's all that matters. And he brings that to the Lord. And in his envy, he grew angry at his brother Abel, who brought an offering that the Lord appreciated. And rather than going, wow, what can I learn from you, Abel? He became bitter and he became envious because of his pride and that selfish ambition. Cain would receive correction from the Lord and not follow it. Genesis chapter 4, 6-7, read this. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Verse 7, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Say those words. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Cain's name means what? Possession. Sin desired to possess Cain. Everybody's a Cain. Somebody's going to possess you. Is envy going to possess you? Is your flesh going to possess you? Or will you let the Lord of glory possess your heart? Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. The, 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 the picture there is like, like a beast laying in wait, waiting to pounce on the prey and the prey is Cain. I want to tell all of us that sin desires to have us just like a prey desires to have. It's just like a predator desires to have its prey. But you know what could have closed the door on that enemy? It said it was crouching at the door, right? What could have closed that door was gentleness. Gentleness could have closed the door on the enemy. But the arrogance of Cain kept the door open to the works of the flesh. Will sin possess you or will God possess you? A few moments, we're going to open these altars. You know what these altars are really good for? These altars are really good for closing the door on the flesh and opening the door to God and say, God, you can possess me. On these very altars, people have come down here and they have closed the door on, error, on, 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 uh, on, on drug addiction and they have been possessed by God. The other day, I was driving along, minding my own business and the Lord... The Lord told me these words. The Lord said this yesterday. He said, one day, Sarah Fluitt walked into church with epilepsy, but she walked out healed. She walked in one day, epilepsy had a possession on her, but she was healed one day at a church service. And now long, no longer has a possession on her. She is set free from those things. I'm going to tell you today. God can possess you today. God can possess you and set you free today. And those other things that hold you. This could be the day. This could be the day. You could have walked in with something possessing you today. But today's the day all of that ends. It can happen in this altar.
Don't tell me it can't happen in this altar. It happened for my family. It can happen for you. I tell you it can happen. Will sin possess you or will God possess you? God, you can possess us. In the very next verse of Scripture, what does Cain do? But he takes his brother Abel out to a field where he kills him. Do we understand that sin crouches at the door? Do we understand where there is selfish ambition, where there is envy? There is every evil work. Cain didn't even know murder was possible. No one had invented it yet. But sin caused him to invent it that day. Do we realize sin wants to possess you? But gentleness will always close the door on the enemy. If you want protection from the enemy, you need gentleness. If you want to be useful for God and honoring to God, you need gentleness. We're drawn to a close, but I've got a few really important things I want to bring to your attention. Please, I I don't just say that. This is it for us. I want to tell you, gentleness makes us tameable. Everyone say tameable. Tameable. Up here I have a picture of a really powerful horse. I love horses. Horses are beautiful creatures. Do not stand behind a horse. They can kill you without even trying. And I know the idea of being tamed is not an idea we use like. The, The idea to be tamed is not something I like to really think about it kind of gets under my skin and it probably gets under your skin too but I'm going to do it anyway we're going to just get under each other's skin for a moment it is arrogant to say no one can tame me that's very much an attitude in a lot of people if you consider yourself untamable then you have no God but you consider yourself to be God that's just the way that works God is not your God until you surrender to him, until you yield to him, until you say, God, you know I don't. A powerful horse that is wild is a beautiful thing. And it looks really good in the pictures. Wow, I could stare at pictures like this all day. I could have pictures like this all around my house and feel like, wow, that's amazing. But can I tell you something? A powerful horse that is wild is not useful. This horse right here, Holds no use. War horses must be tamed and trained to ride at top speed into chaotic battles. Think about this. You're on top of a horse and you aren't just riding it through a nice peaceful valley. But you are trying to get that horse to ride into danger, to ride into chaos, to ride into loud noises and distractions at every turn. A wild horse won't do that. A wild horse is not for that use, can't be used in that way. A wild horse, you can't put nice little kids on and let them experience nature. None of that works. It has to be tamed in order to be useful. Can the Holy Spirit, can the Holy Spirit tame you? Can the Holy Spirit train you? Train you to ride past your fears, to ride past temptations and to ride past selfishness and egomaniac stuff and materialism and lust, can the Holy Spirit train you to ride into battle? Can He take you and where you, where you will follow where He leads you? That You can't if you're not tamed. You can't if you're not yielded. You'll be distracted every time. 
I invite you to pray this prayer tonight. God, tame this wild heart of mine. Will you say those words with me? God, tame this wild heart of mine. God, tame this rebellious spirit of mine. God, tame this cynical, unbelieving spirit of mine. God, tame this judgmental, angry attitude of mine. God, tame me and make me yours. Tame me and make me for your purpose. You point the way, God, and I'll ride with you. Once God can tame your wild heart, then God can teach you. That's the next thing. Gentleness makes us teachable. Gentleness makes us tameable, but gentleness also makes us teachable. There are people who have a great deal of resources, talents, and degrees on the wall, yet they lack a teachable spirit. Their arrogance has formed a lid above them where they can grow no higher because they've actually lost the ability to learn. For some people, having that college degree is one of the worst things that ever happened to them because they they think they know everything. And they stop learning. And that forms a lid whereby they can't grow any higher. How many times has God sought to teach us, but we were too arrogant to listen to God, and we were too arrogant to listen to his messenger? You and I, we still have a lot to learn. Isn't that right? We have a lot to learn. To the person who has been a Christian for many years, please do not feel like you have nothing left to learn. Open your Bible with a teachable attitude. Pray with a humble spirit. Take part in a small group ready to learn from others. Come to church to grow in the wisdom that comes down from heaven. Please receive this harsh thing I need to say. If you are done learning, God should just take you. If you're done learning, God should just go on and take you up to heaven because this is as good as you're going to get. This is as useful as you're going to get. If you're still learning, then there is no telling that all of the opportunities that lie ahead of you. Very quick, I have an opportunity chart in front of me. Everybody say opportunity chart. I want to tell you things change when someone humbles themselves. Right in front of me, I've got gentleness. And to the degree you rise in gentleness, I will tell you that is the degree that you rise in solutions. Are solutions a good thing? Does anyone ever feel like, man, I need some solutions? Some of y'all are Googling all the time. Y'all looking for, I need solutions to this problem. I, I'm looking in, in the, 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 the Barnes & Noble self-help section because I need some solutions to my marriage issues. And I need some solutions to my problems. I need some solutions to maybe my, my health and, and mental, physical, and spiritual, all of it. I want to tell you today that the, to, to the degree that you are gentle, to the degree that you are humble, to the degree that you are meek, that opens up the door to more and more solutions. You think solutions just a piece of knowledge. Nope. Solutions are increased for people with a heart.
that can receive wisdom. Things would change if we'd just be humble. Don't you know that things would change in our government if Democrats and Republicans would discover gentleness and become humble and teachable? Let's just get real. That doesn't exist in Washington, D.C. It don't. Somebody say amen to the preacher. Y'all make me nervous. Somebody say amen every once in a while. Thank you so much. Imagine how the opportunities and the solutions would increase. I believe it was Dwight D. Eisenhower that said that there's no telling what we could accomplish if we would stop worrying about who got the credit. That gentleness as it increases, solutions increase. Things would change in your marriage and your home. Things would change uh, for husbands and wives. Things would change for dads and moms if they would rediscover the gentleness of not needing to be first and not needing to be right, but instead honoring to the Lord. Things would change at Redemption Church if we would pray, God, tame my rebellious, wild, When was the last time you set aside your ambitions for God's opportunities? That takes some humility. That takes you not being God, but God being God. We're about to talk to that, talk talk to God about that in that in this altar. I want you to get ready. When was the last time you repented of pride and knelt before the Lord? There was something amazing about kneeling before the Lord. Posturing yourself where. You are lower and he is higher. You can do that in the physical. You can do that in the spiritual. You can do that in your emotional. When you worship, you are doing just that thing. Has envy and self-ambition been at work in you? Do you realize that that is the work? That that is the recipe for every evil practice? Will you repent of that today? And will you- for more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us.